0: So sometimes when you come to church, you feel like, um, sometimes maybe you might leave and you might be like, well, I don't know that I really learned anything today. Uh, maybe that particular week wasn't uh, very applicable to my life and, um, you know, eh, well, at least I get my church points for going, right? Those are redeemable for something at some time, somewhere. Um, but today here's something, um, that you may or may not already know. And if you don't already know it, you can leave church today feeling confident that you have learned something, um, and here it is. Did you know that it is easier to stay warm than it is to get warm? Right. It is. It physically. It is easier to stay warm than to get warm. Now I know down here in Georgia, um, that's relative warm and cold because those of us um, you know that have spent a lot of time up north um, maybe kind of chuckle at some of the ideas of cold down here in the south, um, but. Um, The reason that it's more difficult uh, to get warm than it is to stay warm um, is because your body kind of, when you're cold, your body kind of goes into overdrive, right? And it has to burn more fuel in order to bring your temperature up and to stay warm. And the blood vessels that are at the surface of your skin, um, when they're cold, they contract, Right. And they get they get tight and it reduces blood flow. And the reason that happens is because your body is really smart and it knows that your vital organs like need um, that warmth and that extra blood flow. And so it diverts there and it, um, it, it it's really an amazing thing. And it puts stress on the entire nervous system. And so if any of you find yourself really irritated when it's cold outside, no, there's a scientific reason. Your nervous system is being stressed, and you're just kind of like, ah, there it is. Um, yeah, so, so it's easier to stay warm uh, than it is to get warm. And um, in a weird way, the same truth holds true with your money, sort of. We'll get there. But just to make sure we're all on the same page before we get to there, um, we are wrapping up this, this season's version of Money Matters. And we've looked at a few truths over the last few weeks um, about what your money is and what your money does. First truth that, that we looked at, the first thing he says is money can add meaning to your life, but it is not the meaning of life. And the idea under that was basically that money becomes meaningful when it becomes a means to an end that is not you. When your money is a means to an end that is helping someone or something else that isn't you. Then last week we looked at the idea and we discovered this, so that money is a better servant than it is a master. And basically the idea under that one was is that, um, is that money issues begin with our character, not our income. Uh, And that was a bitter pill for some of us to swallow. But to wrap up today, we're going to look at this third truth, and that third truth is this: money is money is easier to keep up with than it is to catch up to. Now, as is kind of my habit, whenever I do any series on money, I kind of do a couple weeks of like big picture, theory, money kind of stuff. And then I like to do at least one week of like application, like here's something, here's what I want you to do. That's what this week is as we finish this up. But money is easier to keep up with than it is to catch up to. In other words, keep up with your money or you're always going to be playing catch up. And, And it's a little bit like trying to get warm versus staying warm. Once you're warm, the staying warm part is easier. But when you fall behind financially, specifically as we're going to talk about it today, when you, when you fall behind um, knowing where your money is going, then what happens is, is that you tend to get more stressed. And you have to spend more energy trying to figure out your finances and how to make things work. right. And you, you, begin, to, you begin to create more worry and anxiety for yourself. And the truth is, is that with as many reasons as we can throw up, there's really no valid reason to not know exactly where your money is going, right? When it comes to money, we should never find ourselves in a situation where we're going like, well, it seems like I spend this much here and this much here. Right? Anybody? Anybody? Like, oh man, I'm a seems liker. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure, but I know I did this and this and you know. Well, I can't possibly be going that much there. That doesn't make sense, right? And the reason that we should never say these things about our finances is this: is that a certain amount comes in, and hopefully you know how much is coming in, and, and then once it comes in. You send it places. And so it shouldn't be a mystery of where it went because you were the one who sent it, right? There there should be, listen, in life, there's a lot of mystery. Love and romance is a mystery, right? Some of us think we get it figured out and as soon as we think we get it figured out, we realize we're nowhere near, right? Um, Raising kids can be a mystery. One day you think you're doing great. The next day, you're like, oh, I'm the worst parent in the world. Anybody? Yeah, you just can It's a mystery. There's no consistency. I think, I think they have kid meetings and get together and figure out on purpose how to make us <laughs> feel ridiculous as parents. There's mystery there. There are certain decisions that you make in life. You know, there's mystery. You're like, well, I'm doing the best I can, and I think this might happen, so I, you know, I'm going to make this choice, but there's mystery. Listen. When it comes to knowing where your money has gone, there should be zero mystery. Zero. And the problem is, is that when you lose track of where your money is going, it takes over emotionally. You, you feel like you're out of control, right? You you feel like something is taking over and you're just trying to catch up, catch up, catch up, and you can't ever quite get there and get a handle on what's going on, right? It takes over, yeah, just... Everything, and money is easy to track. It really is. And some of you are like, eh, I don't know, but it is. And we'll get there. But money is easy to track. But if you lose track, you're going to lose peace of mind. If you lose track of what your money is doing and where your money is going, there's always going to be a piece of your mind that's just chugging, 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 chugging on it. You'll never be able. You'll never be able to take that breath. And steps back. So, so we should all be tracking where our money goes. And this is true. This is true whether you have a little bit of money, or if you have a lot of money. To which some people, if you just have a little bit of money, you're like, it's not very hard to track. It's just a little bit. I know exactly where it goes. Flip side of that coin is people who have a lot of money are like, I mean, why do I need to track it? I have enough. It's just doing just fine. (laughs) Some of you are like, wait, (laughs) I'm not in that category. Yeah, me neither. But listen. It's true whether you have a little bit of it. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a budget. All right, I'm not talking, because a budget is a theory, right? A budget is you sit down and you're like, okay, this is how much I'm going to have coming in. And hopefully that's not just a theory. Hopefully income is kind of steady. But then it's a theory as to what your expenditures are going to be. Well, okay, I know this and this, and maybe this, and maybe I can set aside because there might be a car breakdown or whatever. But it's kind of theory. You're like, mm, I got an idea. We're going to do that, right? But listen, th- these theories that a lot of us set up for budgets, <laughs> theories um, a lot of times rarely reflect reality. <laughs> and when, <laughs> and most of us, if we're honest, when we get to the end of the year, if we were to pull out a budget that we made, <laughs> we're going to look at them and be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, young, naive me, right? <laughs> Anybody ever <laughs> looked back at your budget and been like, Oh, yeah, I'm the only one. Sure. (laughs) You bunch of liars. (laughs) Uh, Okay, fine. If that's how you want to play it this morning, I'll start playing like that. But listen, budgets assume specific futures, and none of us are that good at predicting the future, right? And it's great for estimating, but the other problem with the budget is this. Where does a budget live? For most of us, if we ever bothered actually making a budget... The budget probably lives in a folder on your desktop somewhere, right? And it's like, oh, if you ever get to it, you notice it sometimes when your computer's on, maybe, but actually clicking on it and opening it, right? You created it. It was perfect. Maybe some of you were brave and, like, <laughs> made an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Anybody, any Excel spreadsheet? Oh, God. Just the logo of Excel gives me anxiety. <laughs> like, let alone the idea of opening it and creating cells and tables <laughs> no, yeah, yeah I, I can't do it. but you know maybe you're fancy and you can have your excel spreadsheet budget yeah that, that's okay but but nobody nobody really spends a lot of time looking at budget. budgets aren't dynamic right they're just kind of this thing that is and it's there and if you're gonna get this specific part of your finances right you need something more dynamic than a budget you need a simple way to track your actual spending. Now, now, when I say simple, I mean simple. Like when I first started back, some of you are going to be with me. Some of you are going to be like, mm, I just missed that. Um, when I started learning about money and how to track it, like it was like graph paper. <laughs> Anybody pull out the graph? You know, no <laughs> fact. Maybe you had a ledger that was created for it, but mm, that was kind of fancy. I didn't get to the store and get those. So you know, grabbing, you're writing out your categories and you know. Every, at least once a week, you know, a lot of people did it every you'd have to go and just everything that you spent, you'd write it down that day and then add it up at the end and figure it all out. I mean, that was, that, that was, that was, that was simple. But um, now we're to the point to where like, there are so many apps for doing this stuff. There's so many programs for doing um, this stuff, right? And, and here's the thing. Is that as I talk about this and I think about this, like, okay, you know, way back when I was a pencil and a paper, keep track of my spending kind of thing. Was I good at it? No. But did it set a foundation to where now that I've gotten further along into adulthood and I'm responsible, am I good at it now? Again, no. (laughs) Um, I wish I could say I was really good at it. But listen, that's why I feel confident in saying exactly what it is that I'm saying because I know the difference in the feelings emotionally, the levels of stress, the levels of anxiety between when I'm doing it and when I'm on top of it and when I'm not. Even though I wish I could say, I don't have those times of not anymore. But it happens. And if you develop the habit, you you'll live with less worry. And part of the reason is, is that when you know you are going to record something in an expenditure, when you know you're gonna record it, it kind of forces you to stop and think if you can afford it. Hey, wait, that wasn't on purpose, but that sounded, those was that rhymed and went together. If you know you're gonna record it, you think about if you can afford it, right? And okay. How many of you have ever Use an app where you recorded everything that you ate in a day. Anybody? And it like, then it would give you the report of your calories and, you know, depending on how specific the app was, you know, your saturated fats and good fats and all this stuff. Yeah, right? I've, I've done that a few times. And he, here's, here's what I noticed is that when I was doing that, every time I would go to get something to eat, I would think about later on having to put that into the app, right? And especially if I'm like, oh, I'm trying to stick to this number of calories. And I pull in, especially now that fast food joints put the calorie numbers up next to the thing. I pull in, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm going for my normal Dave's double with cheese. And then I would see that number next to the calories. I'm like, oh, man. So I would have to put that in. That would only leave me this minute. dinner. And I found like, oh, okay. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to put that big of a number in the app. So I'm going to do something else. Or, or there's times I don't know if some of you who have done this, have played the games like, oh, well, if I don't eat lunch and then I don't eat, then I can go get that ice cream later, and it's going to still come out with the right number. Of count anybody like play that? Yeah, you probably like I'll suffer now for later, right? And we, and we kind of do that. But listen, what happens is. Is that when you're forced to think about something, it causes you to slow down. It causes to evaluate whether the thing that you're getting ready to do, whether it be the calories and the food with, the, with that example, or the money that you're getting ready to spend on whatever. And listen, Kate really pointed it out to me last week that I was getting on people with Amazon packages and shopping at Target not knowing what they really needed, and she pointed out that I had not bothered to wear any of my Jordans during the money series. Um, and I'll own that. <laughs> I'll own it. <laughs> like I'll, I'll take, I'll take that, that, that on fully. Um, you know, I, if there's one thing you guys know, I'm always talking to myself. Um, but listen, it, it causes you to think. Like, do I want to have that recorded and have to look at that number? Do it, do I want it, Do I want this now, or is there something else that's needed more that I can skip that to be able to get that and not blow? my whole thing, right? And you begin to think about each item as you do it. Now, in the, in the paycheck-to-paycheck seasons of life, which everybody has, and some of you are like, wait, what do you mean season of life? <laughs> do I mean the paycheck-to-paycheck life? Yeah, maybe. But this habit of writing down and recording, <laughs> writing, see, I'm old, of recording every single thing that you spend Will actually take pressure off of you. And it may not seem like it does, but it'll actually take pressure off. And here's why because it takes the guesswork out of those times when things get really tight. It takes the guesswork out of where you need to cut back. Because if you're not keeping track of exactly where everything is going, when it's time to cut back, you're just going, wow, I'm not sure where it's all at. So we can say we're going to cut back. But if you have it, if you have it mm, there, In front of you and you know exactly where it's going it's easy to find the areas where money that doesn't necessarily need to be spent is being spent you know and perhaps maybe you were in a paycheck to paycheck time of life and you got out of that and things were going well but then something happened you know maybe another kid came or somebody lost a job or something happened that caused you to kind of have to take a step back financially and what was going on it's so much easier when those times even though it's never easy to step back in your finances so much easier to know where to cut back because you know exactly where all of your money is going there's no guesswork there's no well it seems to me you know there, there you know if you're part of a couple there's no well i'm sure you spend more than i do on this you know as kate pointed out that last year because a pair landed in december and a pair landed in january of my shoes that for the last year I spent more on clothing than she did. <laughs> you know, if you don't know that, if that's not written out, let's just arguments and feelings. You spend way more than I do. No, you do. No, yeah. I mean, how easy is it to go, well, <laughs> let's go to the record. And you know exactly where things are. It takes that, that, that aspect, that element of the guess and the, and the um, and the arguments over feelings and ideas it takes it takes that stuff kind of right out of it, right and, and the, my point here is that, that there then isn't that fog of guessing you You're on solid footing you you know where your money's going, and taking taking the step back is easier but but for most of us, in the years of plenty, right in the years where you know We have what we need, and we may not feel like we have a lot, but, you know, there's a little bit of margin within it for us. This habit actually puts more pressure on. When you have more, if you do this, if you keep track of where your money is, it actually puts more pressure on it, and here's why. Because as you accumulate more and more, and you keep track of where your money is going, when you sit down and look at that, all of a sudden you're confronted with a number of how much you're spending on yourself. And which naturally, as you get more and more, there's gonna be more and more spent on you, but there's gonna be times when you sit down and you look at that number and where all of your money went and you look at the amount that went to you, there might be that feeling of like, oh man, I'm glad no one else is gonna see this number when you're confronted with maybe how little you actually give to those around you, it can be maybe maybe a little embarrassing. Hopefully it's a little motivating and inspiring. And for some of you, for some of you, it kind of takes away the fear, hopefully, it can take away the fear of being more generous. Because there's always been that feeling of like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot, but like things still feel tight. Right? It still feels like you know we're, we're kind of right on the edge you know, and you don't know where it went. But once you get in the habit of tracking, you're like, oh, I know where it went. It went on me. Because I didn't control any of my little expenditures that I wanted to be on me. I just me, 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 And I realized that if I just took a little bit of control over the amount I spend on me, then the idea of being a little generous maybe isn't so scary. Because maybe things aren't quite as tight as they actually feel. They just feel that way because your money's getting away from you and you've lost track of it, right? So keeping track is in your best interest. And Jesus said this that if you're not careful, and this is a paraphrase if you're not careful, those of you who have more, right? And that's more of you in this room than you think. (laughs) Most of you would be like, no, I'm not putting myself in the more category. Yeah, you are. But those of you who have more, if you're not careful, you will begin to store up treasures on earth. That is, if you're not paying attention, your expenditures will be on you and 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 you, and you'll be storing up treasures on earth. And at some juncture, when you look around and you see the amount of treasures that you've stored up for yourself, it's going to be hopefully embarrassing. Hopefully. But because it's in our nature that when you have more um, than you need of something, you just aren't careful with it. When, when you have an abundance of something, you're not nearly as cautious with that thing as when there's just a little bit of it. And, And, You know, one of the the most glaring examples that I can think of this is like, I've been to places in the world where water is a precious commodity. Where people will walk miles and miles and miles a day to get terribly unclean water and bring it back to their home and have to ration it and be so careful with it. And I look at my house, where half the time, the sink never gets shut off. <laughs> and it just flows. Every once in a while, Cato will walk in. Why is the sink on? You're killing the fishes. I guess that's because, you know, that's, that's what will get to the boy's heart, the fishes. Um, <laughs> and that's probably, she says that, because I make her think the boys are the ones that left it on a lot. Um, you know, but if you're out washing your car, you know, there'll be times I'm like, ah, I couldn't find the end of the hose thing. So whatever, I'll just throw it down and let it run off into the grass while I'm scrubbing. <laughs> you know, and then I'll rinse it all off. You know, and maybe some of you are super nature people and you're just appalled that I would even do that. But the point is, is that when you have an abundance of something and you don't feel like you're going to run out of it, you're just not careful with it. And you're not careful where it goes. And you're not careful of what's happening to it right? And that's the, that's the same way. Most of the people in this world, even those of you who are careful with water, most of the, there's a lot of people in this world that would look at the way we handle water and waste and use water and just be beside themselves and not even be able to imagine. But if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, you are commanded to not handle your money in the same way that so many of us handle water. To just let it flow and use it just for whatever you want to use it for. So I, I want to give you a challenge. right? And, and you can add this to the challenge that I gave you last week. I don't know how many of you remember last week's 2.2 two month challenge. right? You can add it. Here, I want to give you this challenge. For two months, two months, track your spending. Every penny. Track your spending for two months. Right? I want you to spy on your money. See where it's going. See what it's doing. Right? There's tons of apps out there. There's software that you can do it with, but it's not as hard as you imagine. For two months, just log your spending. And at the end of two months, sit down and look at it. And if you're, you know, if you're part of a couple, get together. Sit down and look at it. And see exactly where your money's really going and then adjust accordingly. Because I bet quite a few of you would be pretty surprised when you're looking at the numbers as to where some of your money is really going, right? Some of you may be thrilled. You may be like, yes, I am nailing it. Exactly where I wanted to go. But some of you are going to be shocked. And one of the responses when I bring this up, because I've talked about this in other places to people before, when I say, sit and track your money, like, They'll say something to the effect of, um, I'm like, you know, I use, a, I use a credit card for everything and you know, it's on the bill. I, I can just look at it there. They put it into categories of food and entertainment and whatnot or whatever. But listen, that isn't the point because knowing that you can know isn't the same as knowing, right? It just being, oh, my credit card, will put it together and everything. Yeah, you can know if you look there. But like actually knowing, actually paying attention, Listen, the fact that you have access to what you spend is different than sitting down and looking categorically at where all of your money has gone, right? So the good, good news is this, is that if you're like, if you're one of those people like, oh, I use a car, they do break it down for you. Great. Then it'll be easier for you. But you still got to do the last part of sitting down and looking at it. And evaluating it. Now, now, you may be thinking, okay, this is really good advice, but this is a terrible sermon. Because, <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked really. You know, there's not been any scriptures put up on this screen, you know. What, uh, okay. So, all right, I'll, true. It's good advice. Which, by the way, I didn't come up with any of it. Like, I, this isn't, these aren't my ideas. I got it all from other sources. But here's the thing. If you're a Jesus follower, this idea goes way beyond just practical application. Because Jesus taught specifically why this idea is such a big deal, right? And here's why, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to take this extra serious. Because listen, so some of us, you know, we put faith in Jesus' words. We put faith in words of the Gospels. You know, uh, you, so most of us, you know, you're betting your entire eternity on the words of John who wrote and was relaying a conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus and talked about the whole idea of being born again. Nicodemus didn't understand it. And John's like, I don't really understand it. And so Jesus is saying it and then kind of on the backside of the resurrection, John's like, oh, I get it. And so I need to make sure all my readers get it. And so he wrote it out there and he writes out the words for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. but have eternal life, right? And most of us, if we grew up in church, have probably said some sort of prayer to that effect. You know, okay, you know, all right, Jesus, God, I trust, I trust, I believe in Jesus, and I trust these words now that I can have eternal life, right? So, so you've already trusted the words of Jesus with your eternity, right? You, you, you've even trusted how you characterize your relationship with God to the words of Jesus. Because Jesus has invited people to call God Heavenly Father. In fact, many of your prayers when you're praying, you start out, you Heavenly Father. It's kind of this idea is creating, you kind of have taken Jesus' word for it. Okay, maybe this is how I'm supposed to approach God and look to God, right? So you've trusted Jesus' words with your eternity. You've defined your relationship with God based on Jesus' words. You, you'll... When you're sick, you'll ask God to intervene on behalf of whatever that sickness is. If, if you have a prodigal child, you'll pray and ask God to intervene. You pray for God's protection. We, we lean so heavily on the words of Jesus with all of these things. But what about money? Right? Now, now let, me, let me answer for you. Why people will lean on the words of Jesus for all these other things, but not when it comes to finances. Reason number one is that in all of those other categories, you don't really have control anyway. So you really don't have anything to lose (laughs) of giving control of those things over to Jesus, over to God, right? Here's the other part of it. As many of those categories aren't tangible. You, you, can't, you can't see them. You can't feel them. You can't define them. They're just kind of this thing. And so the idea of giving up control to God, to those things, hmm, that's different than your money. Your money is a thing you have, right? It's a thing you control. It does what you say that it does. And this is why I think Jesus is so brilliant in the way that he approached this. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that your money is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to your devotion with him. He knew it. He knew that it was so much easier to give your heart to Jesus, whatever that means, than to give your money to him. He knew. So when Jesus starts talking about where your money is, there your heart is also, and saying things like you can't serve two masters, you you can't serve both God and money, because he knew this. And so over and over and over, Jesus says to us, come on, come on, come on. You're gonna trust me with your marriage. You're gonna trust me with your health, with your children, um, with your singleness, with your joblessness, with your you know, opportunities, whatever it is, you're gonna trust me with all of that stuff. Why would you hold back when it comes to money? It doesn't make any sense. And when you look back over what Jesus said about money, what did he say? He said, it's not even yours. It belongs to my Father in heaven. You are not an owner. You're a manager. You're a manager. In, in fact, in Matthew, who Matthew is a tax collector, who Jesus looked at this tax collector who was an outcast of society, said, Follow me. He followed and he he recorded a whole bunch of Jesus' parables. And most of his parables dealt with how heaven meets earth. Jesus spends most of his parables talking about the kingdom of heaven. And it's not some kingdom that we're going to go to. If we can can survive this world, I'm going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. That's not what it is. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the value system of God that touched down on earth with Jesus. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. And Jesus would say, look, here's what the kingdom of God looks like. And here's what it looks like for you to live in it, operate in it. And so many of the parables that he gave dealt with money. One of the famous ones goes like this. And it's so famous. I'm not even gonna read the whole thing. I'm just gonna read the beginning. Matthew 25, again, it talking about the kingdom of heaven, the value system of God lived out on earth. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And if you've been around very long, you know, in the parable, there's always a character in the parable that represents God. There's always a character in the parable that represents the listener. And if you read through this whole parable, which we're not going to do, it becomes clear. God, God is the man going on the journey who entrusted his wealth to others. In the story, it's God's wealth. And you and I are the servants who has had the wealth entrusted to us, right? But here's the question, and this is not a trick question, I promise. Don't think too deep into it. Here's the question. What percentage of the wealth that the man entrusted to his servants belonged to the man? Anybody? Come on, not a trick question. What percentage? What what percentage of the wealth that the man entrusted belonged to the man? All of it. Now, in some math that we can all do, that means how much of it belonged to the servants? Zero. 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 (laughs) And, and, And he gives the servants different amounts, right? And he tells them, I want you to handle this as I would handle it if I was here handling it. That's what I want you to do so that when I get back, it has done what it was intended to do. A couple of them do really well at it, double it. One of them does really poorly, gets scared, goes, hides it in the sand, buries it. But the point of the parable is this. Do you remember what made the difference when the servants were asked to give account of what they had done with the money? it had nothing to do with how much money they were given. The issue was not the amount that they were asked to manage. The issue was, what did you do with what you were giving? And the point was, they were managers, not owners. And when it comes to the resources that God has entrusted to us, we are managers, not owners. Right, and this is one of the reasons that anybody—if you've been to—if you've been to Tapestry, um, for the entire time that we've been in existence, right? I don't preach heavily on tithe. That is the ten percent tithe, tithe, tithe. Ten percent, got to give it ten percent, tithe, tithe, tithe. Right? And Kate and I tithe and then some. But here's why I don't press it, because that idea, that concept of tithe. Um, It leaves the false impression that 100% of the money is yours. And if you're a good Christian, you decide to give 10% of it to God, right? And when you give 10% of it to God, God's just like, oh, I'm so happy. Thank you so much for the 10%, right? Right? You gave me 10 cents out of that dollar, and now your crops are going to grow. Thank you for giving up 10 cents out of your dollar. And now I'm going to make that 10 cents come back to you fourfold and tenfold. Thank you so much for allowing me, oh good Christian, to have a piece of your dollar. That's kind of the mentality that's created around just this whole idea of tithe, tie, 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 tithe. Well, it's all mine. Then I'm going to give God 10%, right? And here's the thing. God's like, well, really? well, thank you so much for giving me 10 cents out of that dollar, right? Thank you for giving me a dollar out of that $10. Yes, I feel good about that. Thank you for giving me $10 out of that $100. Yeah, I feel Thank you for giving me $1,000 out of that $10,000. Yeah, I feel good about that. Hmm, that's where most people stop. You feel good, man. Look at, there's three zeros on that. I feel pretty good about that. Most people stop. And when what God entrusts them with gets bigger, (laughs) oh man, once you add on that fourth zero, you start to think all the things you could do with that money. Oh, what are all the things I could get? The places we could go, right? And God's looking down, and He's like, "Are you are you really hung up on a? You really hung up on another zero? Like you realize none of it's yours, but yet you're going to get hung up on that. And you probably look down to and and you think." That's a lot of money? Because listen, A, to God, whatever that amount, that when you, if you're giving that 10% and it gets to an amount, where you are like, oh my goodness, this hurts. And God's like, oh, okay, first of all, that's not a lot of money in the big picture of money. Second of all, I don't even really need that. It's your resistance right now to giving that is what I need to deal with. this tithing gives the impression that it's ours and we're gave a little bit of it to God. And Jesus just didn't teach that at all, anywhere. He showed up and he said, the kingdom of God is like this. A wealthy person allowed someone else to manage the wealth, but it was never their wealth. And and here's what's so brilliant about that is that however much you have, Right, especially as the amount of money that you have increases and increases, which hopefully over life, that's how it works for you. You should never allow anyone, and this is such a big deal, because there's, sometimes there's just so much guilt turned around. As the amount of money, as you grow older and you, you are successful in life, as that money grows, you should never allow anyone to make you feel guilty for having a lot of money. You shouldn't. And here's why. Because money managers don't feel guilty about the money they're managing. Because they know it's not even theirs. Here's what it is. Money managers feel responsible and accountable for the money that they've been given. And this was such a paradigm shift in the first century. And it still is a really difficult thing for people to get a hold of today but the reason that you should keep track of where your money is going is because it's not your money. The reason you should keep track of where your money is going is because you are a manager and there will be a time when you are asked to give account of what you have done with what was given to you and you don't want your answer to be like, well, I feel like I did um, some things, right? It's, so, it's not your money. We should know where our master's money is going. So for two months, here it is, two months, track, your, track where your money is going. Track where it's going. And then sit down, look at it with all of the parties who are involved with it. Find out what you're really doing with it and then adjust accordingly. And here's the probability. The probability is you will probably be surprised at how much you're spending on yourself and how much you spend on things that don't really matter. <laughs> and if given the choice after you spent the money on it and whatever it was is done and gone, if given the choice to be like, oh, well, if I was given the choice, could I have not done that and have the money back? Yeah, I would take that because it wasn't really anything that mattered. The things... Things, there are things that might be on it that, that would be embarrassing if others saw where your money was going. But once you know where it's going, then it's easier to adjust because you know where to adjust. But the reason this is important is, so, is this, is that how we manage what God has given us speaks volume as to whose we are. If you want to know if you are a follower of Jesus, Look at your pocketbook. Look at your bank statement. Look at your credit card statements. That will tell you if you are a follower of Jesus or not. And here's, listen, here's here's how you know this is true, is that you have met generous people along the way in your life. You have met people who had a little bit or maybe had a medium amount or maybe had a lot. But when you saw how generous they were with what they had, when you saw how generous they were with their home, with their cars, with their possessions, with their money, you just walked away from them saying, wow, like those people are the real deal. I don't know how many times they attend church in a month. I don't know how long their personal prayer sessions are. I don't know if they know any scripture. I don't know if, how much they read the Bible every week. I don't know. But what I know is from the way that they handle their possessions and their money, they are the real deal. Because the way they handle their resources reflects the heart of Jesus. So pay attention to where your money is going. You'll live better. You will love better. You'll find purpose. And ultimately, you will have a life of joy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, first of all, for what you have entrusted us with. Father, for for some of us, that's more than it is for others. But for all of us, Lord, you have entrusted us with something. And Father, I pray that you begin to move on our hearts this week to really sink in this idea that we are just managers and we are responsible for handling our resources the way you would handle them because after all, they are yours. Father, I pray that that we become people, that we become a church, who knows exactly where our money is going so that we know exactly where we need to adjust in handling our money in such a way that it is honoring to you. May people see us and encounter us and know us and know that we are followers of you because the way we handle our finances and our possessions reflects Lord, thank you for the teachings that you've given us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out today. Everybody take a big breath. We're done with money. (laughs) See you next week.